0: Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Swike, Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. I'm your host, Lukey, and for today's topic, I thought we'd go into resume debates And I call these debates because there's actually no universal standard for resumes, just like for the job search process in general. There's no real uh, 100% standards. There's kind of 80%, 90% guidance out there, but there's always exceptions to the rule. So one thing that I want to to make sure that you take away from this is uh, realizing that the whole job process is an exercise in critical thinking. Right. So you want to make sure. Well, does uh, what I'm doing apply for me in my particular context for the industry, the job, the area that I'm getting into? So I call these debates because I want to get into kind of the 80% uh, correctness and talk about, well, why certain things are relevant and important. Um, and that way you can make your own decisions on whether or not uh, it's true in your particular case. So first of all, I wanted to start with a couple things in terms of like the definite no category. At least from a Canadian or North American standard, uh, what do you make sure is not on your resume? So first thing is a picture. So in North America, there are no pictures on your um, resume. Uh, No things like birth dates, uh, marital status, or blood types, or vital statistics. And actually, in other parts of the world, they're quite common. Uh, But in Canada, because of uh, equality and equity, diversity and inclusivity and stuff like that, uh, we don't actually want to see any of that because we don't want folks to be unconsciously biased on making a decision because of any of those things. So making sure that you remove uh, and and do not include things like your picture, uh, which is very common in Europe, vital statistics uh, such as your birthday and and, uh, blood type and stuff, which is common in in, uh, Asia mostly. uh, I've seen them on South Asian resumes. Um, A couple of things on the uh, formatting side is to not include any tables and and the reason being so, depending on the format and the program, um, the, the way that it's constructed, it may throw the ATS system, the applicant tracking system off. right. So tables, depending on where the columns and the rows are set up, uh, it it might actually make it much more difficult for the applicant tracking system to to know what section is what. And when it's trying to pair it up, what it normally does is it turns everything into plain text anyway, so it can tell by headers and stuff like that. But if you have tables, then headers don't necessarily match up and it becomes more challenging. So keep yourself away from those things. Now we'll go into more of the, the debates. One of the most common ones is, should a resume be one page or two or, or more? Right? For the most part, my recommendation is for your resume to be one page. Right? Um, so you've heard in probably previous episodes uh, or previous uh, tips that I've given that resume means summary, which means that uh, you're probably g- going to keep it short. So in Canada, a, a two page resume is acceptable. Um, so you'll probably want to keep it to two page. Why I like a one page resume is because if you had basically two people who have are equally qualified and one person takes one page to convince you to hire them and another person takes two pages to convince you to hire them, uh, which one would you rather pick? Uh, most people would pick the more clear and concise one, the one-page one, and uh, for me, I have uh, o- almost 20 years worth of experience and I have a one-page resume, but I also have a two-page resume because really it depends on the length of the job posting. So for the most part, job postings have about uh, 15, maybe 10 bullet points that you need to account for. So that usually fits on a one-page resume. If it's more, uh, then that's when two pages come in. So this is particularly um, notable on public sector uh, job postings. So some public sector ones are like five pages long. And for those types of jobs, you're actually allowed to have like a five-page resume, right? So keeping in mind that it's usually uh, based on the job description. And generally speaking, you should be able to, to get away with one page. Uh, but if you have to, if the job description is long enough, then two it is fine. Uh, another common question is, what about on top? We have the uh, summary of qualifications and or highlights or things like that. Should we put them? My typical response is, is no. And, and the main reason is because if, if you think about it, remember resume means summary. So you just put a summary on a summary, right? And on a one-page one, like, how uh, dumb or slow do you think recruiters actually are? And if you think about it, like a recruiter, they don't actually read, they skim. So it actually takes them longer to read that summary than it does to skim through their entire resume. And the information on a summary is usually very low context. I'm a hardworking individual with five years experience and leadership and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really actually tell me much about uh, that person. So I include you, uh, encourage you to leave that part out uh, because to me, it doesn't add any value. And, and most experienced recruiters will skip that and, and go right to the experience or go right to the education uh, because they know that a lot of that stuff is kind of nonsense, kind of fluff words that don't really say anything. Uh, another section that's pretty common is objectives. So should you put them or not? Uh, my general recommendation is no, to, to keep them off. And the main reason is that recruiters, well, to be honest, they don't really care what you want uh, unless you've joined the company already. When, when you've joined the company, then you want to make sure that you you grow and, and you progress and all that sort of stuff. But before, like, well, we know what you want. You want this job because that's what you're applying for. Right uh, now, where the, the nuances are, are for things like internship programs or placement programs or co-op or areas where someone has to put you somewhere. So for those types of uh, organizations or education or school, then you'll want to make sure you have um, an objective statement because that person is not a full time recruiter. They're someone who's looking to match you up with a different employer, a different role. So two line or four line sentence of what you want uh, would be helpful for them. But generally speaking, if you're to send it to a recruiter, no need. And again, with a one page resume, you can conserve a lot of space by doing that. Uh, What about education or experience first? most people ask uh, which ones and uh, for me I generally recommend education first um, only if it's the most relevant Um, and for for folks uh, experience is really what matters right so generally speaking uh, for new grad education will will go first um, if they have no other work experience Uh, otherwise if you have relevant work experience you put that first right Um, oftentimes for international students uh, folks like to be Canadianized, so having a Canadian degree versus foreign international experience, um, most Canadians will, will prefer the the Canadian uh, degree there uh, ahead of the international experience. But if you have uh, local uh, in experience, then you'll probably want that first. So generally speaking, uh, if you had a choice, experience goes first. Um, but otherwise, it's got to be relevant. The re- real answer is whatever is the most relevant. Uh, what about like skill sections? You know those sections where you have kind of bullets of all the different things. I know Microsoft Office. I have leadership, management, and all that sort of stuff. I'm not a huge fan because uh, what do those words actually mean? So if you have on your resume it says leadership, management, communication skills, whatever. What does that mean, <laughs> right? What does leadership mean on a single line on a bullet? Does that mean you read a book on leadership? Uh, does that mean you volunteer and and led two people and in, in your volunteer group, or does that mean that uh, you've led a a student club of 50 different executives uh, with uh, a 1,000 members, um, or you worked part-time or full-time and you had a team of 27 people uh, dedicated full-time in order to support your group, right? I don't know. It just says leadership. (laughs) So what I'd rather you do is take leadership and put it in the experience uh, where you acquired them, and demonstrate and talk about what leadership was demonstrated in that, uh, in terms of like any of those contexts that I have. So I'm not a fan of those sections that kind of just list out random things. Now where it could be relevant is for things like technical um, uh, roles. So if you have technical roles where you have just a bunch of uh, different technologies, uh, oftentimes it's hard to have a whole bunch of different bullets with them. But if you can interweave them and put the skills within the bullets that you acquired them within the job or within the workplace or within the volunteer or personal project that you use them, that adds more context than just having um, a skill in there. You want to make sure that they appear uh, but not necessarily just in separate section on its own. So what about uh, using things like, like power bars as well? So you might have um, kind of a particular technology like um, Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever and you have kind of a four out of five bars. Well, what what does four out of five bars mean? Again, similar to that section, does that mean that you, you finished uh, um, four-fifths four of a book <laughs> on Photoshop or does that mean Uh, You used it for kind of um, four out of five months uh, throughout a a period? Or does that mean you're you're better than 80% of other people uh, out there? Well, I'm not sure. So uh, adding a little bit more context, probably verbalizing uh, the achievements and the things that you can do for that would be better. How about things like font? Font is is a preferential thing, but for me, I prefer the sans-serif font. And and for those that don't know what a serif font or sans-serif font is, uh, a... Serif font is like the default Times New Roman, right? And the serifs are those little feet, the flanges, the things that make it look pretty and that make it look nice. But it also takes up extra space. Uh, Sans Serif fonts are things like Ariel, Helvetica, Calibri, Tahoma. And those don't have the little feet and flanges. And if you were actually to take the same resume and you do it in, let's say, Times New Roman in a Serif font versus in Calibri uh, Sans Serif font, then uh, probably 9 out of 10 people will pick the, the Calibri font just because it takes up less space. There's there's more um, gaps in there and uh, it looks a little bit cleaner. So my recommendation would be uh, Sans Serif font, yeah. but there are yeah. the artistic folks that want to add a little bit more to theirs. So what about adding hobbies and interests to your resume? Actually, for me, I would say, yes, put it, but do it in a way that makes it relevant for the company in the role. So if you put something like basketball, well, okay, that's not as relevant for the company in the role. But if you say, like, consistently uh, plays pickup basketball and was the captain of your team. Okay, that's a little bit different. If you've been uh, took your team to provincials or nationals or uh, won like the, the tournament or the league that you're part of. That's, again, some not- notable things that you want to make sure that you include. Uh, but just things like art or dancing or music add a little bit more context so that I get a little bit more a uh, taste of it so if you have to and don't have a lot of space then yeah maybe adding some of that is, is good but if you can also turn it to make it look more like an experience uh, bullet where you have the context like where you practiced uh, that the music or, or the sports or whatever it is that you're into uh, put that in so there's a little bit more explanation in there uh, but I'm a fan of putting them in there because uh, for the most part a lot of companies uh, are more interested in people as human beings not just as employees. But you'll have to take a look at the company. If the company is a lot more conservative and more focused on kind of the work at large, uh, if you have space that, that you need to recover for other things, then you can leave it out. But if you have extra space, I would encourage you to leave it in, especially if you can make it be relevant for the company in the role. What about something like your address? So this has been a topic of a discussion because Some recruiters might be a geographyist, right? In the sense that, well, if your uh, company is headquartered on one side of the city, but you live on the other side of the city, the employer might think, oh, I don't even want to bring this person in for an interview because uh, they're not willing to commute an hour or two hours to get to uh, the workplace. But unbeknownst to them, uh, you have an uncle or an aunt or someone on on the other side of the city, and you'd be more than willing to move or relocate in order to get there, right? So uh, some people will uh, remove it. For me, uh, I'm, I'm relatively indifferent. If the headquarters of the company is close by, I actually encourage folks to include it, right? So that they can do that, that research. If you're out of the city, putting something as simple as your, your city and the country would be enough. So Toronto, Canada uh, would be sufficient. Um, I don't think that, that most recruiters think that you're hiding too much because you, you live somewhere. Ho- hopefully they, they can uh, take you in Uh, based on the the merits of your experience versus where you live. So another thing that that folks often recommend, should I put my LinkedIn profile? And I would probably say yes. And a lot of folks um, are are not sure because, well, if they really want to find out about me, then they can just search me. But the thing is sometimes, depending on your name especially, there might be more than one of you and it might be difficult to find you specifically. So for me, uh, it's actually quite easy because there aren't too many uh, Luki Danukaryantos out there. But if you're like a a michael smith or a a kevin chan or something like that or uh sarah wong right there's probably a lot of them and and it can you can be easily um misidentified as as someone so you want to make sure that they can find the right person so i encourage folks especially since linkedin is very pervasive in the business and professional world then uh, you'll want to make sure that that it's on your your profile and easily accessible uh, make it clickable as well, so if in your PDF, uh, your Word document or whatever, you can make it clickable, then then do that. Another question that often comes up is, what about for uh, dates? Do I include the months? And uh, I say yes, for sure. Um, what about the, the, the format of the months? I'm more of a fan of the three-letter months, so putting like Jan, Mar, May, Sep, whatever it is. And being consistent about that and the main reason is that when you make it consistent then you kind of have that uh, structure all the way down on the right hand side um, whereas if you had like January May uh, July and then like December right that kind of goes and creates a bit of an accordion and it makes it look a little bit more awkward um, but you definitely want months because there can be a huge difference uh, between let's say 2018 to 2019 All right, most people think that's two years but if you had Uh, December uh, 2018 to January 2019, well, that that might be only two months. And if you had December 31st (laughs) to January 1st, that's only two days, really. Versus if you had January 1st, 2018 versus December 31st, uh, 2019, that's like uh, 730 days, right? So uh, you definitely want months because oftentimes recruiters will know if you exclude the months that you're trying to hide something, you're trying to hide a gap or something. So just be honest and maybe in your cover letter, identify uh, why you have a gap or put something there in terms of studying or learning or what did you do during that time in order to uh, kind of improve yourself. So make sure you have months. My preference is the three letter months, uh, if possible. Uh, What about on your resume? Should you include information about the company? Right. Sometimes uh, with the the title and the company, you put uh, the leading bank or the the top um, telecom or whatever it is. Do you need to put that? I'd recommend folks not, just, just leave it out. So if a recruiter is interested, they'll go Google it, they'll find out. Um, and that extra information is just unnecessary, right? It, it takes up extra space. And especially, again, in a one page resume, that's very uh, important real estate. So leave that out. Um, what about including prose or bullets? So on most resumes, you'll find bullets. Uh, but some people will include prose, which are like kind of short sentences that uh, are kind of like paragraphs. Um, but are not bulleted and and more kind of in a paragraph format. And uh, for some format resumes, they will uh, actually have um, the activities, the things you did in prose. Um, So like a series of short kind of uh, statements and then uh, the achievements as bullet points, right? So any kind of numerical values or things where you added value as bullet points. Um, So for for me, you want to definitely have the bullet points, right? Uh, if you have uh, and, and want to format them so that you have pros, it's really up to you. But you can also put them in, in bullet points there. So for the most part, I would probably say bullets. Uh, but if you want to include pros, only include that for activities that you have. Don't use pros throughout. Um, some people have uh, no bullet points at all. So make sure that it's easier for a recruiter to follow and go down and see all the different segments. Because, again, they don't read, uh, they skim. Right. Uh, how about things like colors? right Uh, and for me as long as it's consistent and from the recruiters I talk to then as long as it's consistent then it's fine right so all the headings um, the title areas are all a different color and then the main is black Uh, but avoid making it too crazy right maybe limited to two maybe three colors at most Uh, some kind of accents or highlights but don't go overboard and do uh, multi like technicolor type of thing now, if you're uh, creative and you're in, in some sort of creative role, if you can uh, make it fit and, and demonstrate your uh, ability to, to be creative, then it's really up to you. Uh, but generally for most folks, uh, just keep it black, right? Uh, keep it plain. And if you want to add in uh, color for some, some accents for the, the titles, then, then uh, do that. But um, ideally, just, just keep it uh, plain. What about the uh, one-column or two-column resumes? So one column is kind of everything flowing from top to bottom uh, and there are more kind of um, newer two column resumes where there's a line. And then on one side, you might have like all the different skills, kind of those power bars and whatever, and and maybe your education whatever. And on the other side, you have your experience in there. So for me, I'm I'm not too fussed about uh, uh, formatting. So either is fine. Uh, I actually have a version of my resume where I have the exact same information in two formats. So I, I don't really uh, mind. And generally speaking, the ATS systems with the two column format, they're able to handle them because as long as the header is with the appropriate section, they take one column and make it a chunk and the second one uh, as a chunk as well. And uh, it's, it's almost as if it's it's one column. Um, I generally prefer the one column one because it tends to be um, kind of more standard, more, more plain. Um, but if you are want, wanting to spice it up a, a little bit, then the two column one is is, is good as well. And what about on the bottom of your resume, having the little statement that says references available upon request? And for for me, I say, well, you don't need to include that, right? It's already an assumption that references will be available upon request. So adding that little statement just takes up an extra line, right? So and and you might have a a title for that. So that's two lines and uh, you want to conserve that real estate. So I recommend you to just leave it out. So those are a few of the kind of resume debates the frequently asked questions in regards to how you want to format it and you'll have to take a look at your particular context and circumstance so whether you want one page or two pages i gave you some guidance in terms of when to make a decision one way or the other Uh, but generally it's 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 up to you you can choose because uh, folks have got uh, jobs using any and or all of these things which is why it's there which is why they're recommended but for your particular context, that might be that might not be relevant. So uh, just being aware of that. So that's all the uh, resume Swike, the Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier I had for this episode. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the Swike, Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.